Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Welcome, 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 everybody. Uh, I don't have to tell you that a few weeks from now, we have a national presidential election. I'm sure it's the only thing anybody's been hearing about or talking about. And I'm sure you're very excited to hear that we're going to be visiting it ourselves today. Uh, As you know, we have a periodic political check-in with our political correspondents. Um, I would hope And I think that our goal is always to try and approach these subjects uh, from an angle that you're not accustomed to. I think one of my least favorite things uh, about the way that we communicate and about our our discourse now is that you like go to one channel and that channel is just like, all these people suck, you know, and then you go to the other channel and that channel is like, no, no, actually all those people suck. Um, I really don't see much of a difference between MSNBC and Fox News. I've said it before, but I'm just not interested in, you know, an echo chamber. Nobody's learning anything if we're all just kind of like telling each other what we want to hear. And there are a lot of levels of analysis for what's going on in our political culture right now. It's just hard to have that kind of exchange with people because it's a very intense time because the stakes are high. And, you know, I said I was going to stop using the word polarized, but I had to use it one more time now. And this is a very politicized time. It's not by accident. You know, this is the most successful way for social control is divide and conquer. You make one group and you create another group. You make them hate each other um, and then they'll be loyal to you. Uh, Tale as old as time. But here at Queston, we just like to have conversations punctuated by our own observations, talking about how politics affects our own lives. And also, um, you know, the more incidental things, the more humorous things, uh, social relevance we may not have considered before. Uh, And with all of that said, welcome, welcome, welcome to our first pre-election extravaganza. I'm very glad that it allows me to welcome one of my favorite people to the show, Travis Johnson. Travis, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me in these dark and certain times. In these dark and certain times. Eventually, we're going to have to stop saying that. It's just going to be times. You know what I mean? It's been dark and uncertain for so long. I'm not asking people about how they're doing, like, oh, you all right, COVID? It's just, it just does, like, what's up? Let's go, let's talk. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think the same thing can be extended to just, like, political chaos and, you know, like, the verge of Armageddon. It's just here. So this is this is what life is like now. Um, uh, part of the reason we did this show, obviously, we wanted to have Travis back. Obviously, the election is a couple of weeks away. Um, but... Uh, there's also a lot going on. You know, I, I usually dread election years. You know, 20 years ago, I was a young reporter and I was like, oh, my God, send me to the Democratic National Convention. You know, I want to be a political reporter. I want to watch the horse race. And I did that in 2004 and I did that in 2008. And I used to really personally be enthralled by the horse race and the, the news cycle around a national election. Uh, and then around... 2012, 2016, it just, it started to be unpleasant for me. And just for the sake of mental health, I just, you know, I'm an informed person, but I did not immerse myself in uh, our our national political process. But you don't have to immerse yourself because it's inescapable. This year, obviously, is different, right? Because the pitch of intensity has been turned up so much more, right? Like, people hate slash love 
candidates more than they ever have before. People hate slash love each other more than they ever have before. But it's also obviously taking place in the midst of uh, a global pandemic where the stakes are raised, right? Like usually when you're voting for president, it's kind of like, who cares? What does the president even do? You know what I mean? If you really, really think about it, federal government doesn't do that much. um, And it's kind of just a culture war. You know, there is important stuff happening on a federal level. But this year we learned, wait a minute, the federal government is the people that is supposed to be in charge when something terrible happens. And when they don't do that, that something terrible is way worse than it would have been otherwise. And I would like it if that were the tenor of our political conversations now. Like, hey, who do you want at the helm? This is why we have a federal government. If you get attacked by another, you know, by a hostile force, you know, you want to make sure your federal government is together enough to launch a defense. If, even if you're a libertarian, you know, you want to make sure the federal government could handle the pandemic. Um, unfortunately, that's not the conversation we're having. The conversation we're having is that a fly landed on Hunter uh, Hunter Pence. I always call him Hunter Pence, my favorite baseball player. A fly landed on uh, Mike Pence's head uh, during the debate. That's fine. You know, it's cute and it's funny. But we are living in the, the age of memes and there's too much information to process. And if we really talked about what was happening right now, we just curl up into a ball in the shower and die. I also I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but I also think there's a way in which the debates themselves. I'm talking about both the presidential debate and the vice presidential debate, even though I feel like. More so than ever, it was clear even if you're not like a politically savvy person, I think it was just clear how much theater it was and how little information could be gleaned from it that like it didn't really leave an opportunity to to have the conversation. Like I consider myself a fairly informed person. I don't know that I watched either, certainly not the presidential debate, but I certainly, even the vice presidential debate, which I think was more policy driven, I didn't come away from that feeling informed or feeling like there was like something policy driven to discuss. It just seemed to me, Uh you know, I'm obviously a Kamala fan, um, but you know, there were moments where like, she's like, I'm not answering that question. Right. Um, Or like there were moments where like, even like in the debate where it was just so clear that they each just came to say what they wanted to say um, and weren't really addressing questions and even sort of like Pence's decision to like, completely take what she said out of context it was like it's not even factual or real or like what would i come away from that talking to people about other than this odd fly on his head and his pink eye or like talking over each other or talking over the moderator it's just sort of like that the the theater and those personalities i feel like i came away talking talking about how i cannot believe this is american politics yeah. Well, it's a reminder, you know, I, I don't want to linger too much on uh, the presidential debate, you know, with uh, Trump and Biden, because it was just so chaotic and negative that I kind of prefer not to stay in that place too much. But it did remind me, and this is true for both debates, and to your point, um, of what a debate actually is, you know, like think about in school, speech and debate, right? They'll, they'll say like, oh, okay, um, you know, we're going to talk about uh, uh, abortion, 
you know, and then somebody yeah. chooses a side and says like, well, here's why, you know, abortion should be illegal, you know, and here's why abortion should be legal. And then one side gets up there and says like, well, human life depend, uh, starts at the moment of conception and, you know, therefore abortion is immoral. And they, they spend their 20 minutes and they say, you know, this philosopher said this and, you know, and then another guy gets up and says like, you know, human life doesn't begin at the moment of conception. And this is a question about a woman's body and a person's body and the government has no, you know, right. And you hear those two points and then you know whoever made the case more strongly quote unquote wins the debate and it's it's that that has that's gone that is yeah. long gone and yeah. that's been that's been gone i don't know why we're calling these debates anymore they're really yeah. just an opportunity you for don't even you points. don't even you don't even have them really responding to the same question no never you don't um like not even asked you don't even have them necessarily even asked the same question Mm-mm. which i sort of understand um, but like just sort of talking about like how we learned debate. Um, you know, and I was someone who like was very much in debate. And like so for me watching it, and also like as a lawyer who litigates, it's sort of like inconceivable to me that like you would interrupt someone while they are addressing the person who asked it. Like it's inconceivable yeah. to me yeah. that like you would do that, or that you would be asked a specific question and just completely choose not to answer it and to yeah. like waste all your time like answering another point and to have that sort of be accepted like you would give that long answer and the person who asked you a question wouldn't say you did not answer my question mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and like you've wasted time right like there's no either as someone like who grew up in debate both in in high school and in college and then also as like I said a lawyer who is like in court who you know it just it just wasn't a debate to me. It was just sort of like either of them. It was just sort of this theater um, yeah. that I don't know was useful other than to sort of like make clear, I guess, maybe what the stakes are in this election. Yeah. It incidentally made clear what the stakes are. I mean, I there's, there's a lot of talk about, oh, you know, what happened to the civility and decorum in politics, right? And usually I'm a bit of an anarchist. So I'm like, I, you know, let's get rid of civility and decorum, right? Initially, that was my instinct. Uh, maybe sometimes you do need to make noise and maybe sometimes you do need to go off topic and maybe there are things we need to talk about that need to be yelled or whatever. Um, but watching these debates reminded me of what a disservice it is for people who are like voters, citizens yeah. who, you know, I don't believe that there is an undecided, undecided voter in this country. <laughs> I can't imagine who that person would be. Um, but, you know, ostensibly in an election, there are people who are trying to make a decision now. And the purpose of those debates is to make a decision. And those people would say, well, abortion is an important issue to me. I, you know, I want to hear what this person says about it. I want to hear what that person says about it. For, for example, I'm just saying abortion, you know, there, there has not been any of that data going all the way back to the even the primaries. I mean, we complained about the primaries, but at least people were up there like saying, hey, here's what I think the tax code should be. You know what right. I mean? And then someone they else trying to say, distinguish themselves. Yeah. But now and actually, and I think and I think pretty authentically, too. Right. Like, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at least in the primaries, because I don't feel like people were trying to say this is what you're about when they knew that that's not what that person was about. Right. Like the mm-hmm. idea that like whatever. I don't know. It just sort of like seemed like an intention, an intentional miscast of each other's sides to like alarm folks. And I'm like, there's enough to alarm folks just based on the truth. You don't actually have to be up here lying. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I had the same thought, even my own instinct. Obviously, I was more excited about the vice presidential debate mm-hmm. than the presidential debate, because I thought, you know, to your point about the way that trial attorneys uh, present information, I thought, oh, great. You know, uh, let's hear Kamala get in and like, you know, uh, the people versus the Trump administration. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like here, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, uh, here's what happened. Here's why that's egregious. And um that's not what happened. But even hoping for that, you know, I'm thinking that's not even really a debate either. It's like, what no. are we looking for? We're looking for takedowns, right? We're right. like, ooh, you know, everybody wants the soundbite. And I've heard people, you know, in the political sphere say the way that we consume information now, particularly with social media, everybody's trying to get that one line that is going to be memed and clipped and repeated and shared, right? And in some ways for Kamala, you know, I'm speaking, Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking, was like her, you know, and that's fine. I'm really glad that she's whatever, like a strong and assertive enough person to say, like, knock it off. And she's also disciplined enough not to say, shut up, man, you know? But that doesn't teach me anything. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know anything more about how she would be as a vice president or how Biden would be as a president, except to know that they really like fracking and they don't give a shit about climate change. (laughs) That's the only thing I learned. The only thing I learned about Kamala Harris was that she's totally on board with not giving a shit about the planet as long as they win Pennsylvania. And if anything, that diminished my enthusiasm uh, for Kamala and told me, Kamala, you don't give a shit about anybody who's not in Pennsylvania right now because you're like, what else are you going to do? Oh, well, you're going to vote for Trump because I'm fracking? No. Which really, to me, telegraphs the attitude of the Democratic Party in general, which is like, yeah, we're going to do whatever we well, want. I mean, I think it's the reason why we voted, why the choice is Biden and not Kamala, right? Like, I think mm-hmm. what also happens is they didn't do a, I mean, Pence couldn't really do a great job of this because I mean, for the obvious reason, but like her platform wasn't Biden's platform. His platform is what's going to run the day. Right. And so Mm -hmm. just sort of like it's ingenious to sort of have have to have her defend a platform that wasn't necessarily the one that she would have ran on if she were president. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that piece. But I, I feel like we expect that because that I mean, certainly Biden and and Obama had that. Pence, I feel like it's interesting to have him, you know, this essentially in evangelical um, vice president who is like Trump's vice president is yeah, it, fascinating. It, it, it but hurts the brain. It, it really does hurt the brain. I read an article today about um, Latino evangelicals mm-hmm. who are voting for Trump, but also mm-hmm. really, I mean, torn. A lot of people, many of them who are immigrants, Many of them are Mexican-American. Many of them are, you know, I mean... So what drives that, the abortion issue? It's not abortion. It's like, it's just, it's God. You know what I mean? Like, to them, he says enough things about God, and he's going to put someone on the Supreme Court that, you know, to your point... um, even just hold like that's why he takes a picture with a Bible in front of the church. Do you know what I mean? Like, even though the rest of us are like, that is so idiotic. It makes no sense in the midst of this protest. What is it? Who is he sending this message to? He's sending a message to, to those people who are single issue voters who are just like, I love God. Evangelical voters have stood by him through this whole time. And it's really incomprehensible. Everything I know. Well, I think it's, I think there is. Well, I've read that the broader the broader issue is the Supreme Court pick. The conservative mm-hmm. Also packing the the lower federal courts. Israel. Israel's a big one for evangelicals right. as well. You know. And also this idea of like religious freedom that like you 
can discriminate against people if God told yeah. you to. And also there is like this that. like there's a sciencey aspect, which is like I think skepticism about science is sometimes embraced by, you know, evangelical people in some ways, just because they've been embattled. You know, evangelicals wrestle with evolution. Yeah. And, and no, there's this, there's this know. in my hometown of Nashville this weekend. Um, some faith-based group held this big rally on state property no masks it's just like this big prayer out with awful christian music um and i think like this they're white white, you're saying (laughs) i am saying that i i I didn't know that i didn't mean to not not say that um so i'm glad that you i didn't know i didn't didn't know it until you said awful christian music because i said there's good Um, christian music but it's not it's not that right (laughs) um and I think it's it's also like those group of people who feel religiously oppressed in this time where like you would want to draw closer to your faith and feel like you yeah. can't gather at your church or you can't whatever. Yeah. Which all right. That tension between like science saying keep your ass home and your faith telling you to gather and believe that God will protect you. Yeah. You have faith. I mean, this is kind of a tale as old as time. George W. Bush was doing a lot of this evangelical telegraphing. You know, there, there are a lot of Christian people in this country, and, and it's a, a group that is easy for politicians to wrangle, right? Like, that's why we have culture wars, right? Like, what's the most important thing to you, God? You know, how can I twist that around so that you support my agenda? You know what I mean? Also, it's, like, it's, making you feel like your values are under attack yeah, if you don't... Like, you need us to protect you from the godless sodomites coming to perform abortions. That's what what family values was all about, you know, years and years ago when, you know, what was it? Dan Quayle was attacking Murphy Brown because she was a single mom. mom. You know, like, just first of all, fictional character. You know, (laughs) let's get that out. Glorifying single motherhood. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's exactly Um, what's happening. Yeah, tale as old as time. Primetime CBS in 1985. Yeah. I think that's what's most interesting to me is that we're, you know, it's like, oh, this is unprecedented. What's happening is unprecedented. And in some ways like yeah that's true because of who the president is but if you really look at these tactics of division this is what what politicians have always done in this country right i mean whether it's about race that's why we had jim crow laws like oh how are we going to keep really really poor white people on our side we got to keep we got to keep poor white people from teaming up with poor black people otherwise they're going to figure out they got something in common and overthrow the ruling class you know so let's invent racism basically right. you know so that at least at least dirt poor white people can be better than somebody you know and that many of the fractured structures that we have that we kind of blame you know un, uneducated people for is just like a system of oppression that's been put down on them so that they can be used to do the bidding of the ruling class it's dark man it's dark we got dark today <laughs> it's getting darker <laughs> well, i mean ele- the election's on its way it's, I, it's only darker because I wish that I could be more excited about the alternative. I wish more I could be saying like, hey, you know, isn't Joe Biden great? Like, wasn't Kamala so good? You know, like it really it, it the, the hard truth has really sunk in that it is just just a better than alternative. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You know, it, it's not as bad maybe as it was in 2016 when I when I voted for Hillary Clinton and held my nose. But it's almost there. 
you know, and I, I, the biggest disappointment for me is, you know, when I was uh, working as a young reporter all those years ago, I was supposed to be writing about the youth vote, right? Oh, well, what are young people talking about the election in 2000, 2004? You know, young people didn't care back then. Young people didn't vote. Young people weren't really politically engaged. Um, I mean, I'm making a generalized statement, but the numbers support that, right? Like, I think that's youth, right. Yeah. Young people are way, way more politically engaged now, right? And the Democrats have made absolutely no effort to acknowledge that or you know, at least make concessions to that voting group to say like, hey, you know, the kind of stuff young people care about, like, honestly, you know, they care about racial justice and they care hey. about climate change uh, and they care about socialism. They're, you know, young people are big into socialism. And the I think it clarifies for us. I think a couple of things are happening and some of them actually make me really, really hopeful. Like, I feel like I am talking to people about the election and about voting who like have never talked to me about Mm. elections or voting like my mom and her sisters who live in a very much red state who like never saw the point of really voting are like i can't imagine not going out just to vote against trump i know people particularly in the asian community who are like i have lived in this country i've been a permanent resident forever never became a citizen i became a citizen this go around so that i could vote against trump right so that's, and I feel like people are also paying much more attention to congressional elections yeah, than they ever good. have before. Mm-hmm. So people seem to be learning a lot about how our country runs and who makes what decisions and how things, and I'm hopeful about that. Yeah. Um, and maybe the exhaustion is just, we see how much work needs to be done. Um, Cause there's also a way in which a lot more people, cause in America, you can just sort of like focus on America. You don't have to know anything about, any other country. You don't even have to to think about any other country. Um, Other countries even exist. Um, I'm told they do. But I think, at least for me personally, what's happening is like, it makes clear to me um, how skewed our political conversations are. And what I mean by that is like, the things that we hold in America as like radical liberal ideas, healthcare, women in leadership roles. Um, those things are like centrist in a global context. Yeah. Like there are conservative governments all over the world who are like, of course, everyone should have health care. What are you talking about? Yeah. We think of those things as like radical liberal ideas. And it's like, no, those are things that like warring factions have agreed on in their countries. <laughs> we are just like insane. Like what the we think of as... The Hutus and the Sutsis have universal health care. Let's just... Like, what, are we, what are you talking about? And so that like make like Biden is not radical. And so the I like the notion like to like paint him as like super liberal. I'm like, are you like in a yeah. different state? He would be a Republican. Like he's only Democrat because he's like, you know what I mean? Like in Tennessee, yeah. he would be like he's yeah, yeah. He's less centrist than Obama. Like, he, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the idea that, like, he is the head of... That he and AOC are in the same party is ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Well, I mean, to your... I was going to mention her name earlier to your point about optimism. You know, like, there is a future for the Democratic Party. And, you know, it it rests in those women who were elected to Congress, you know, uh, in the midterm elections, young women, women of color, um, who are who represent, I think, a potential path to the future of this party. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we've been complaining about this for a long time. I think 2000 was the first year that I heard the idea of like 
This like two party system is deeply, deeply flawed. Nobody wants this. Most countries in the world have three, four, five political parties and you have to build a coalition. Um, and that's how it should be. The, the two party system just means that you have to paint with a broader brush and people get left out, you know, and I, I was hopeful at the time because I guess, we, you know, Ralph Nader was running under the Green Party and a lot of people were interested in that. And that and ended up being why Al Gore lost was because of Nader's support. And people now, particularly liberal people, think, oh, no, third party candidates. So you can't have those. I think that that's not really a part of the conversation right now either. I think most people are complaining, oh, I wish the Democrats had picked a better candidate instead of like the two party system doesn't work. You know, like I I'm an optimist to the extent that I, I do believe that. Um, you know, Biden. Well, let's not say it that way. I, I believe that Trump will lose the election. Um, and I believe that we'll have at least four years of a democratic government. But I don't really I consider that a short term victory. That's like stop the bleeding, stop the bleeding. Um, but that's really just treating symptoms of a, of a two party problem. And I, I was I'm assuming that the Republicans are really going to have to reshuffle things if they want to come back from this. You know what I mean? Like this is really going to be uh, if they do end up losing this election, such a major stain, the Republicans are going to have to say, who are we? Who votes for us? I mean, after we quell the white supremacist uprising, <laughs> there will be plenty of time to answer those questions. Again, when the I mean, that's, settles. Yeah. that's part of the problem is like he, I, the president is such just a noise machine that there's no way to think about anything that's happening more than like two hours from now. So we can't think about structural change because it's like, oh, my God, he's telling white supremacists to like be on guard for to attack. Like, and, they, and, and they are and they are yeah. like, oh, that's how I received that. Like they are not even hiding. They're like, I am yeah. in blogs saying there will be a civil war if he loses. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what he wants. And that's how I understood that message. Yeah. And you're like, oh, OK, well, yeah. that's terrifying. But that I mean. That's what troubles me is like we're not we're having conversations about the symptom, right? Like the, the symptom is like, but the disease is a two party system. But the symptom is so bad that there's no time to talk about like long term treatment. You know what I mean? Because we're insane, right? It's like like I'm watching the debate and like Mike Pence is like, there's no structural racism in the United States. I'm like, oh, well, that's insane. But also. <laughs> Literally, white supremacists are endorsing your candidate to the point where you're, you're is, do you hear yourself? Like, they're like, we will go to war if he doesn't win. I need you to be like, don't go to war if we don't win. That's what well, I need you I to think, say. Here's the distinction that I think is very important is that white supremacists think of themselves as persecuted outsiders who do not benefit from structural racism. Do you know what I mean? Like the reason there's such a rise in white supremacy is that they feel like they, they no, I get that insanity. The, the insanity for me is denying racism while violent racists are, are like threatening violence to support you. Like you are, you were elected because of white supremacy and they're like, we are going to elect you again. And if yeah. you aren't elected, we are going to kill people. And you're like, racism doesn't exist. Yeah. You sound crazy. The white supremacists are doing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. They are KKKing all over the place. Yeah. That I get. It's like the guy who's like, I'm not a white supremacist. White supremacists don't exist. 
that's not happening. And I'm, yeah. I'm like, you're nuts. You're insane. Yeah. I mean, it does feel a little bit kind of just based on how Pence looks, because I feel like Pence would be like very well cast as like the leader of like a big clan group. But like, he's the one who wears a suit. Do you know what I mean? There's also always like, mother, like, like, that's yeah. Right? All I need to know. Even just the aesthetic. Do you think there's you know, like a bed like, dress? Do you think there's like a um, Dickensian nightgown oh, that he wears? Him. Yeah, yeah. Him. yeah, presumably. He's got to cover up all that like stuff. Like an Ebenezer Scrooge type. I think, I like to think that he has a cap that's really, really long and just yeah. has a little pom-pom at the end. Like one of those mm-hmm. yeah. Yes, exactly. And when he gets up in the middle of the night, he carries like a little candle that has like a little loophole and like whatever his finger, you know what I mean? That That's what's going on over at that house. It's all Ebenezer Charles Dickens. <laughs> well said. Uh, I just mean like, yeah, it's just, it would be just as ridiculous or maybe not ridiculous at all. It, he could very well just put like, you know, the, the robes on and the pointed sheet over his head and say, America, we have no structural racism <laughs> with like a burning cross behind him. And people be like, see, look, he just said it. There's no structural racism. <laughs> it's only like, I mean, does that mean you don't know what structural racism is or does that, uh, is it an uneducated thing? It, it's hard to tell now. Yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I think I think that Mike Pence probably has a high bar for racism. Oh, yeah, that's true. He's very tolerant. You know, he's like, well, I mean, we don't have structural racism. I mean, you can't get a job if you're black. No, like but slavery that's not structural, is structural racism. racism. But yeah. for slavery, <laughs> everything, everything else is slavery. just... He's like, yeah, there's no structural racism. That's why we fought the Civil War and we won. Yeah, and that's, that's what over. ended structural yeah. racism. Yeah, yeah. I We're mean, barely you know. even lynching people now. Yeah, it's so rare, the lynching. I mean, compared to the peak lynching days, you guys should be thanking your lucky stars. Yeah. Progress, not perfection. Re-racism. <laughs> uh, there better is, than it was. That's, that's the true. American slogan. It's better than it was. Yeah. Make America better than it was. Uh, one fewer lynching at a time. Dark, 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 dark. Uh, there is an elephant in the room, uh, oh. of course, uh, it's not really an elephant in the room. It's just like it was the biggest, most earth-shattering news that we could have conceived of. And then so many weird things have happened since then that we forgot about it. But uh, from what I understand, the president uh, was uh, diagnosed with, with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does anybody anybody have any more info on that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, there's not much more to say about it, right? I just, like, we need to put it out there yeah. uh, because we can't have a show about... I mean, diagnosed... <laughs> Ran through the White House, ran through the West Wing. His wife got it. Press secretary got it. Opics got it. Chris Christie, who prepped him for the debate, got it. Um, P.S. We ain't seen Melania in a minute. Um, and then he gets to like he gets flown to Walter Reed. Some experimental treatment happens. He's released. He's back on the campaign trail. He's telling people he's immune. He's still better than ever. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen a child after an asthma breathing treatment. Uh, no, I don't think I have. They're insane because it's they're insane. Um, and that's what he reminds me of. Like, oh, the steroids are really working for you, bro. Um, oh, right, are, right. That's what you, yeah. You are nuts. Yeah, it's like um, roid, roid rage, basically. <laughs> we got um, COVID roid rage. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's, out. like, I, I saw a clip of him today, like, I feel better than ever, I'm immune, I want to walk out and kiss you people. Yeah. All the beautiful women. Iming, Iming, of the United States. 
Eming has a great line. She she decided to send it in the chat because she's being a good producer and she wants to make sure we sound good. But here was uh, here's Eming's theory on where Melania is. Melania is building her COVID themed Christmas decorations. <laughs> Just little virus balls. Yeah, little pops. virus balls, masks all over the tree. Or I guess maybe burn the masks. I don't know. I guess they don't. That's not big in their house. The masks. Stimulus checks. Yeah, I did see somebody wearing a Trump COVID mask, and I thought, well, that's interesting. Irony. That's irony. <laughs> and I, my analogy was, that's like a do rag with a Confederate flag on it. <laughs> and you know what? Not enough people heard that line, so I'm repeating it here now. Yeah, that was pretty for good our, for our Classic listeners. Russell. It's like your face mask hates itself, basically. Yeah. Like we <laughs> don't wear this. Yeah, don't wear this. You know, like you wear a mask and it says COVID Deep. is a lie. Deep. Yeah, uh, there's levels to it. Uh, there's a lot going on in our society that's pretty bizarre. Um, but yeah, the president did get sick for a while. I mean, my favorite takeaway from that was, I think, from Bernie. And I'm not like a Bernie bro by any means, but, you know, I like the guy. Uh, and he has some pretty good clapbacks and he has some good ideas. Um, he said... Uh, he was talking about the president's health, you know, health care, mm-hmm. right? You know, he's flown to Walter Reed and yeah, the best doctors in the world taking care of him. And Bernie was like, that's socialized medicine. Like, yeah. the, Walter Reed is a government hospital that's paid for by the taxpayers. And when the president, the most important person in the country, possibly the world, needed the best possible care, he got socialized medicine, right? Which I hadn't really thought about. You know, it was it was a good point. Uh, that I hadn't heard made, and I thought it was a fantastic Bernie clapback. And and if if we can't get behind socialized medicine or whatever government provide universal health care, let's say that let's not use the social word. If we can't get behind universal health care in a time when so many people are getting sick and dying, will we ever get behind universal? Yeah. Health care? <laughs> like, yeah, who are we? Like, we just yeah. do not give a fuck about people. Yeah. Like if there is like a, a tidal wave from the Pacific Ocean that is caused by climate change that wipes out everybody who lives on the West Coast and we're still like, nah, I don't know, I, climate change, I, I'm not sure it's, it's, it's caused the by The West man. Coast becomes Idaho and yeah. we're still like, I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know. That sounds a little communist to make me use not less sure. gas. Yeah, less fossil fuels? I think not. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just, again, there's too much to keep up with, right? Like if we're going to have a conversation about what happened in politics, even if we did this show every day, we would never actually get to the issues at the root of it because we'd be too busy talking about all this craziness. Yes. And, it, and it's because not it's even insane. our fault. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It well, is, it's, thing- it's all news and it's crazy. And it's like, how can you unpack? I think that's the, that's what makes the Trump administration so unique. Like we've had conservative presidents before but none with this level of like theatrics or like bizarreness or like the corruption was just sort of like hidden a lot better like you didn't hire all of your children to work in the administration just like place a couple like like everybody and this disease doesn't exist yes it does let's hide it let's not let's there was some there was some leak that like what he actually planned to do 
was like wear a Superman t-shirt under his shirt and then like rip it out and rip it out. Yeah. yeah that'd be great. Like, that's, that's like, the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think that would be fantastic theatrics. I would, you know, I'd watch that gif over and over again. I'd use it. I'd send it to my friends after I felt better from getting sick. Um, I, I just, I, there, there are a lot of levels to this. I just, I'm reminded of what you're saying about how brazen the president is. Uh, I, I always think historically about how people lost their minds when uh, Kennedy made his brother uh, attorney general. Mm-hmm. You know, they were like, oh, my God, that you can't just make your family, give your family members an appointment. You bootleggers. And, yeah, and now we've got his, you know, 19 year old son-in-laws in charge of Middle East policy or whatever. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, and we're all just like, yeah, sure. Why not Kushner? Like, at least he's like, at least he can put a sentence together. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> some people. The other thing is, here's the, here's also what happened since the last time, which I thought was going to be the end all be all. The New York Times got his tax returns. How long have you been waiting for those goddamn tax documents? It, it feels like in any other election that cycle. That feels like a year ago. That feels like a year yeah. ago. When that happened, I was like, oh, damn, here's your October surprise. Like, this fool is sunk. And right? it was good. There was some good stuff in there. It's dirty. It's dirt. It's pure dirt. You it's, broke. It's, you paying your, <laughs> your children. You've made no money off of your businesses. It's all of you as a brand licensing. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of, you know, one of the best things Hillary Clinton said about his tax returns during that election. Uh, she said, yeah, there's, there are only two possible explanations for why the president or why the uh, why Trump won't release his his uh, tax returns. He was a candidate then; he wasn't a president. Yet. She said one reason is he's not as rich as he says he is. The other reason is there's stuff he doesn't want you to know. And th- she forgot there's a third one. Both. Both. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's broke. He's, Both a, ter- he's, a, he's a terrible businessman. And there's tons of stuff in there he doesn't want to know. Actually, potentially, hugely criminal acts. Yeah. He yes. pays less in taxes like than uh, a barista? $750. That's insane. Yeah. Whilst claiming to be a billionaire. I, and that should be it. You know, that kind of thing happens to any other candidate. You're sunk. But here's why it's so smart for him to get COVID. <laughs> I'm not saying he did it on purpose. Maybe he did it on purpose. Maybe he never had it. But all of a sudden, that story was buried. Nobody's writing or t- New York Times didn't even have time to use their staff reporters to do the follow up work to evaluate. Did it even those come documents. up in the debates? Great points. Did it come up in the debates? I mean, it's like, sure, it should have, but that doesn't mean Joe Biden's a bad. Uh, debater, although he is kind of, but, and it also doesn't mean the New York times is a bad newspaper. Cause I don't think they are. They're very good. News no, papers. I mean, a moderator no would have asked. No one can keep up, you know, and it, it's just, that this is the noise machine. This is the success of the noise machine right. where if you just keep creating more and more insane things, there's nothing, you can't keep up with it. You know, well, with the taxes, I don't know. I, I kind of forgot about that story to be honest until we it just seems so long ago. And I've almost already kind of forgot that he had COVID because there's other news. You know what I mean? Like, so it is dizzying to say the least. And that's with, you know, keeping in mind that I have really limited my exposure to coverage of the election. Right. Like I read the newspaper in the morning. So I feel like, okay, now I know what's happening. I don't watch television news. I listen to a little bit of NPR. You know, I I do enough bare minimum stay informed. The rest of the time is just mental health protection. And my head is still spinning. I don't know what's going on with people who are watching CNN all day. I mean, that's got to be, you know, you got to be sick. My uncle told me this. Oh, God, can you believe what's going on? And I'm like, which one? 
what, what, which one going on? You can't believe he's like, I've been watching MSNBC, you know, all morning. I'm like, oh, that's your problem. Your problem is that you're watching TV news all day. Um, and the way that information is passed around. So I, you know, the, the, the one, there are a lot of hopeful takeaways. Again, I I did not want to have this be like fully like cynical, pessimistic, dark days. Um, one of the takeaways is that this election is going to have a huge turnout. There, there are going to be a lot, a lot of people. Eming I mean, they're a, already the early ver- voting turnout in Georgia is insane. Yeah, and I that, mean, one I mean, because of voter suppression, so people are yeah. really coming out. But can you imagine in early voting people spending ten hours to vote? Yeah, that's a huge sign. Yeah, that and maybe instead of like calling them dark days, maybe the reality is it's just a sobering time because it's a high stakes election, and people realize that. Yeah, and no one's going to be like thrilled. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to be excited when you realize how much work we have to do as a country. That's true. This is just if if Biden is elected, that's step zero. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we're just like, oh, we kept the lights on. Yeah. We ain't saving money. Yeah. And the rent's not paid. We just yeah. like. But the lights are on. We, we got just, some spam in the refrigerator. Yeah. <laughs> the absolute bare minimum. But again, yeah. this has kind of been my argument. I think my brother said this, too, because my brother's like. um not a big government guy. Very no, just to spam government. lovers. I don't want to get spam. Is very good. You're going to have a people, lot of Hawaiian people are going to get mad at spam. you. Spam. spam is actually yep. quite tasty. And some okay. people have fully incorporated into their cultural diets. And I'm looking at you, yep. Hawaiians. You guys are onto something. That stuff's delicious. How, you're, Eming, come on. Filipinos love spam too, right? Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah, see, Eming <laughs> chatted. Filipinos too. Yes. Well, it's delicious, so it's hard to fault them. And it also, you could put it in your bomb shelter, eat it 10 years from now if you want. Yeah, name another meat you can do that with. I'll wait. Probably, uh, I'm going to probably say that there's no meat you can do that with. Yeah, but are you also implying that spam is not a meat? I felt like I was saying that explicitly. It, okay, explicit. Yes, I'm sorry. I got those two mixed up. <laughs> <laughs> that is... Uh, exactly what i'm saying (laughs) my point my point about my brother is this like he's not a big he's a small government guy right so he's like the most old-fashioned kind of conservative you can be where he's just like i i think that stuff should be local i'm in favor of local government you know i think the federal government's too big blah 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 my brother and i have our own political debates and i'm not saying he's right but what what his conclusion was or some of his insight has been whenever the federal government really kind of messes something up uh, it reminds us like, yeah, the federal government's a mess, right? Like sometimes you need something terrible to happen to remind you like this system's broken and bad. And as much as I hate to say it, is it possible that this administration is what we needed to like finally push us to the brink and say like, this system is flawed. The system is broken. Like <laughs> our federal government. I think a couple weak. of things have yeah. to happen. I think one, you have to sort of assess why you have not been listening to all of the communities who've been saying the federal government is broken for generations, right? So like, cause that's not a new message. Mm-hmm. Um, there are lots of ways, there are lots of federal systems that then dictate state systems that like, mm. lots well, of people have been saying, Hurricane, Hurricane broken. Katrina was like that. Hurricane Katrina um, and then I that. also think you have to think about um, like, how would you like your federal government to work? Because I feel like a lot of people who are small government people sort of turned a blind eye to there are minorities who need protecting. Yeah. And the federal government should be doing that. Um, and so a lot of the expanding of the federal government in our generation has been about protect, like getting 
Yeah, civil rights law. Yeah, the Civil right. Rights Act. Yeah. So how do you do? How do you balance those things? I think is the question. Yeah, and it no, hasn't done fair. a great job. It hasn't done a great job at that. But like, what else? I mean, got? I, I'm not even making an argument like, oh, you know, federal government's broken, so we should dismantle. It's, it's not necessarily an indictment of the federal government as a concept. It's just sometimes it operates. You got to burn it to the ground, and it feels like Trump is doing that work. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like he's burning it to the ground to make room for whatever comes next. And, you know, an optimist would say, OK, now's the time to do your work. What, you know, now that we've essentially, you know, Washington is in ruins. You know, I think it's safe to say it's not a functioning place. They can't even pass a stimulus bill for, you know, uh, they can't do anything on either side. Uh, and I guess that's been a problem for a long time. And maybe I am being naive, but it's just so broken that I, if I look into my crystal ball and say, OK, fine, let's say Joe Biden gets elected. It's kind of like a, it's kind of a now what situation. Yes. Like, are you ju- are you just going to turn the lights back on? So just enough so that you can get reelected four years after that. Or are you really going to take this seriously the way that somebody like Bernie was talking about, the way that AOC talks about, which is like this whole thing is a setup and it's not working for anybody. Um, oh, Eming just informs me that Joe Biden is not running for a second term if he wins. Right. Uh, I didn't know that. Has he, he said that? That's part of his platform? Damn. Cool. Well, when's AOC going to be old enough to run? <laughs> she's close, right? How old is she? Well, <laughs> I mean, I guess she's got to learn some stuff first. Like, you know, she's. I mean, I also think stuff. that it gives it gives progressives a time time to like really build on the momentum of like this progressive movement that's happening. Yeah. Um. This just wasn't a. It, the stakes are too high to risk Trump getting reelected. I think is is the saving grace of conservative Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that if Biden wins, and I'm, I'm also confident that he will, or that Trump will lose, um, I think that four years is going to be a reckoning within the Democratic Party of like, are you going to be the progressive party of this nation or aren't you? Yeah. Well, I think the comparison, and this is a very niche reference for our uh, Catholic listeners, but, you know, Pope John Paul II was so popular, like people loved him. He was a great man, very benevolent, um, bridged all these different communities, you know, in the midst of the Cold War and reached out to global communities in a way that the Catholic Church never had before. He was just a very, very loved pope. You know, and uh, when he died, they were like, hey, man, like this is really time to to have a very progressive pick. You know, let's have a pope of color. Let's have a pope from Africa. Let's have a pope from Latin America, from the you know places, you know, and the the attitude of the Catholic Church was like, you know what? We just need someone to kind of steady the ship and just be real boring. So they chose Benedict, you know, and Pope Benedict. I mean, he had his own problems. He was a Nazi youth and ended up not even being pope for very long. But in some ways, I feel like Joe Biden is kind of like a, a Jimmy Carter kind of president. You know, like mm-hmm. after after Nixon, it was like, yo, everything's so messed up. We just need somebody who's kind of normal to just chill out for a few years. What's that peanut farmer doing? Uh, he's, you know, <laughs> maybe we can dust him dust off. Him off. <laughs> yeah, dust him off. Dust him off. Back in office. He's a good guy, too. I mean, he wasn't I'm not saying he was like a worthless president, but, you know, he had one term. And, you know, then the actual, you know, Obama of the Republicans, Ronald Reagan, came in because he had a vision. <laughs> Jimmy Carter's vision was just like, let's restore some dignity to government. You know, that's it. And then I don't know what else to do. And then he got lost in Middle East policy and got bounced. And then Ronald Reagan, 
uh, had a lot of problems. He invented crack and did a lot of other evil things, illegal wars, et cetera. But uh, he had a vision. He had an Obama type vision, which is like, let's not let's America's great. Like, let's be a united people. I'm, I'm really into prosperity. Like, let's he had a vision in a way that Joe Biden does not have a vision. So what what is Joe Biden setting us up for? You know, uh, and I don't have the answer for that question. You know, I don't know. Like, is is it a situation where Kamala learns on the job and then she's up and she can be the president? She may have been. You know, she's also very centrist. You know, like as much as I like Kamala, she is like a very safe kind of leader who would, I think, keep the status quo of the Democratic Party in the way that most other status quo people would be. I just don't know who's. Uh, in line to shake things up if we're really looking forward, you know, like, what does 2024 look like? You know? Yeah. I mean, uh, and I do think that she's a centrist, but I don't think that she's a Biden centrist. She's not. She's not. Yeah. I just mean, like, she's not Bernie. She's not AOC. Right. Like, she's not, like, a big idea, like, change the system kind of person. You know, her mm-hmm. excuse for, you know, locking up people of color when she was a DA is like, well, I was a DA. It was my job. You know, I can be like, well, that's true. Uh, but, you know, there are one aspect of your job. Yeah. Right. Uh, and I think there are not like people out. Well, there are also a lot of activist DAs in the country now mm-hmm. who have recognized that that position could be a place to do some reform work or whatever. She just is not she doesn't strike me as like a visionary who's like, I'm going to come in and shake this up. You know, she seems much more like a person who's like, well, I'm very smart and capable and I have like a pretty good moral compass. So I'm probably going to do a better job at this than most, which is different from. And she's able to be pushed to the left, I think. I, I believe that. I believe that. Assume, you know, depending on Well, here's the thing. It, ostensibly, when you put someone in power, like let's say everybody comes out and says, all right, Joe Biden, what do you got? You're supposed to be able to hold that person capable, accountable. For yeah. that, that's what democracy is, right? I'd like, much I rather be battling a capitalist to the left than a fascist, which is like, that's, no, that's, the, those, that's the decision before us. Yeah, I think. And, that, and that's a... That's, uh, uh, a tough call, man. I mean, it's not a tough call because definitely you don't want a fascist, but it's just a horrible situation to be presented with. Like, those yeah. are my choices. Those are your choices. And I guess that's, that's what we've been, we've been saying that for months now, but... You're going to have rights November 4th? Yeah. Or no. Yeah. This is all we got, guys. What, what do they say on Black Jeopardy? What we got is what we got, okay? So <laughs> don't, don't be asking for anything off menu. <laughs> not no. a la carte. Yeah, none of that. What we got is what we got. Um, all right, before we get out of here, I have been asking everyone who comes on the show about their voting plan. Because mm-hmm. uh, voting is so strange this year, so I know some people <laughs> mail-in ballots, some people are going in person, early, whatever. So I am curious, Travis, about your, however much you want to share about your plan for I'll voting. share the whole traumatic story. Oh, please. Um, so I'm in Brooklyn, New York. I'm one of those people in Brooklyn who requested my mail-in ballot because of COVID, but my first mail-in ballot came in wrong. Like it was my ballot with the wrong address. So if I had used that and sent it in, it would not have been counted. So they sent me the correct ballot, but now I feel like that suspect. So I'm going to early vote. Okay. So if you request a mail-in ballot, this is just a procedural thing that I don't know. If you request a mail-in ballot, you can still change your mind and then just go in person instead. Correct. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Do not do both. I decided not to do the mail-in ballot um, because 
in the primary election, I remember that mail-in ballots were not counted. There was a huge, huge problem process in, in New York, that is. Yes. There was a huge, huge process. And that was also in Brooklyn. I think most of the people who weren't counted were in Brooklyn. Um, and it just made me think like, ah, you know, it's not that I don't trust a mail-in ballot. And if anybody's doing a mail-in ballot, I'm sure we're going to figure it out, you know. But personally, I thought this this counts too much. I want to be in the booth. I want to punch those holes or pull that lever or whatever or touch that touchscreen, whatever they got in my neighborhood now. And I think if it were just I'm not sure. I think if it were just voting for president, my analysis might be different. But there's so many elections happening um, that I want to be. Because I think New York is going to go for Biden. Right. Like, by the, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, electoral yeah. college being what it is. But there are other elections that I want to be. Yeah, sure I'm, I'm curious about. Tell me about those. What's down the ticket for you? Um, so, like, we have congressmen who are running, and like, I live in a like one of the few Republican bastions of Brooklyn. Um, so, like, we two years ago just got a Democrat, Max Rose, elected for my district. I'm not in love with him, but I he's he's for like Bay Ridge and Staten Island. So, like, this is traditionally a Republican seat and we flipped it and so i want to keep it flipped yeah that's fair i think you know what one of the most resonant points that you made tonight was that people are starting to pay attention to down the ballot stuff now and midterm elections uh, because they understand the consequence of that choice i think this yeah, happens I even hear people talking about electing da's where like that's what happens i've never heard people talking about those things more than in the last two years yeah so does that mean so now you've received received the corrected mail in ballot, but you are going to go in person and vote and early and you're going to vote early. Yeah. I mean, I got my literature in the mail a couple of weeks ago, along with a lot of other people. Uh, and there are several dates. It, it looks like every day for a full week yep. uh, up until the voting uh, up until, you know, 24th or the first in New York. Yeah. 24th to the first. I mean, that's uh, that's great. Does that mean I'm, I think I'm just going to set my alarm on the 24th? and just walk over to this, you know, decrepit public school near my house uh, and cast my ballot. That seems like the way to go. I definitely don't want to be anywhere near there on the day. You got to be some kind of maniac. If, you know what I mean? Like, not now. Nah, I'm not trying to suppress any voters. If you really want to go there on the day, that's great. Please do. Uh, but me personally thinking about it, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's like going to a, a new restaurant the day it opens or something. You know, yeah. It's like, nah, I'm going to wait. You know, I'm a late. I live in Mega Brooklyn, so I'm definitely not going day of. All right, Travis, uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. This has been a wonderful discussion. There's always stuff to talk about. I mean, if we wanted to, we could have a show every single week and have lots and lots of things to talk about and never get to all of them if we had just a political show. Um, but one day, Russ. One day. One day. It'll be like uh, the daily. You know, just be like you and me. Be like, good God, what was yesterday all about? That <laughs> shit. The shit that, show. That's what we'll call it. Yeah. Good. Good God. The shit show. <laughs> Eming, you ready to take on another podcast, or you got enough on your plate already? Eming's got enough on her plate already. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is this has been a wonderful show. I, I love when we do our political editions. I'm also glad that we have the antidote of, you know, uh, pop culture episodes and lots of things that aren't political episodes just to kind of clear my brain a little bit, because this is uh, it's a lot to think about, as you know. Um, but and I, I think our, our listeners appreciate it. 
you know, Thank uh, we you have me. It's always fun. Yeah, it is a pleasure. And thanks to our listeners. I hope that this has been uh, an informative and engaging episode for you. Obviously, everybody in the world is telling you to vote. And I'm going to be one more person. Uh, no matter what you're thinking, no matter what you're doing, uh, make the time. Get out there. Be heard. Cast your vote. Uh, thanks to Travis. Thanks, as always, to Eming keeping us sounding good, keeping us on task, and chiming in with some pretty uh, poignant comments today, Eming. I always want you to say more, and you, you don't. Do? And that's... I always feel like you don't want me to say anything, so I just stop <gasps> talking. That's crazy. I'm always the trying opposite to put you of on the spot. I'm always I trying to put you on the spot, and then you sometimes say, why you... You... Sometimes you get annoyed when I say too much. I've never gotten annoyed by you saying too much, ever. I, I haven't. <laughs> lots, lots of people annoy me, Eming. You're not one of them. And it's true. Well, and, I'm here, and I'm here as a witness. <laughs> Okay, let me clarify that. Emi, sometimes, sometimes I get annoyed about other things that you do, but never about you. Oh, like what? I want to know. Well, just like a, just, uh, you know, sometimes uh, uh, kind of being a little pessimistic when it's not helpful. That's you know, I don't, not new. <laughs> I, I didn't say it was no. new. I said I was annoyed. We were just <laughs> talking about that before he got on. I know. <laughs> it's our, it's our issue. It's our dynamic. I get it and I respect it. But I, anytime you chime in on the show, I'm thrilled. I'm glad. Please do it as often as you like. And I know Travis is not. Travis agrees. Um, all right. For real this time. Thanks to our listeners. Until next Next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.